0: Jeremiah 31, verse 1 through 14, let's uh, begin reading, I'll start there, at verse 1, at the same time, saith the Lord, will I be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people, I'm reading in the King James Version, thus saith the Lord, the people which were left of the sword found grace in the wilderness, even Israel, when I went to cause him to rest, and verse 3 is the verse I want to focus on today, the Lord Hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. How many know no one draws us to God save the Holy Ghost? The Holy Spirit draws all of us. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. There's some nuggets in that verse that I want to show you, and I'm praying that God does one of two things. Number 1 he pre- impresses upon you to release your life in control to Jesus who is the only one that can best romance your soul. That's one. And number 2, I hope that when I'm done that you will that Jesus will you will understand that Jesus will give to you according to the amount in which you become satisfied. That your demand releases his supply. And if you're not demanding, he's not supplying. So if you want more of God, you have to ask him. So we'll find that out. That's in scripture and, and I'll back it up as we go. So one, if you release your life in control, Jesus will romance your soul. And number two, Jesus will give you, will give till you are satisfied. So let's pray. Jesus, show us your great love today. As we finish this series, I pray that it's touched somebody's heart and that you have instructed us on the layers of love. Lord God, that we don't need to just live one layer of love, but we need to have you present in our life and share agape love with one another, the God kind of love that you shed in our heart. We learned that, Lord Jesus, that we shouldn't chase after just one layer of love, even if it was missing from our life. We shouldn't have to go after Eros or some of these other layers of love, but we should seek you, God, because agape is all that we need, Lord Jesus, your agape love. And then, Lord God, I'm praying that you'd just help us to hunger you more in this place, in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. You may be seated. Jesus created woman. The Bible says that the word "woman" is man cut or from man. And someone said, "Well, he made woman because he wanted to do a better job <laughs> than the first time." <laughs> and then someone, someone in the audience that was, listen, that was listening to the preacher said, "Well, why didn't he make her a lot smarter?" <laughs> and the preacher responded, "Because if he did, he, she would have never married you." <laughs> so don't burst out in church; it might be un- uncomfortable. Just kidding. Passage about how the children, and and we're reading out of Jeremiah, and Jeremiah was prophetic in saying he was like foreknowing and foreseeing what was going to happen to the children of Israel, and so he said. God, God's people are going to learn how to fall in love with God. And now when we talk about love and we talk about all this ooey-gooey stuff, all the guys check out, get on their phone, and start checking the score spread for the football game, okay? But all the women are like, oh, yeah, I like love. Let's talk about love. We love emotion. And guys are like, please, keep the emotion. I don't want any more than I already have in life. But you have to learn how to put your love in God. You have to learn how to love Him properly. And you have to learn how to put your faith in God. Someone said amen? amen. So the Lord's telling them, I loved you from ancient time, from old, from way back. It's it, it, My love is old, but it's new. Amen? That's how awesome God is. It can be so old, but it can be fresh at the same time. God has always tried to communicate to His people that He loves them with an everlasting love. Did you know that you're loved with an everlasting love? One that doesn't start and one that doesn't end. It was always God's love that was there. Everlasting love. Can't get a place in this world where you can find something like that. Just can't happen. Not going to find it on eHarmony. You're not going to find it on a dating website. It doesn't even come close to what God calls everlasting love. The Hebrew word is amlaw, which I don't always go into the Hebrew, but I felt like doing that because this really communicates a little bit more light about God's love, and that's what this series is all about. So continuance, long-lasting, without end, indefinite, indefinite. His love cannot be defined because it has no definition. It just continues on. You can't put him in a box. Someone said amen. That's why churches can't possibly contain the amount of love that God has. That's why he had to make us his church because we are the ones who have to contain the love of God in our hearts because he can't be in one denomination or one box or one group of people. He wants to be in the hearts of men and women. So when you put a label on people and say, well, I'm this and I'm that Jesus is like, I'm grateful that you have a religion. That's fine. But I just want you to know my love is so much bigger than any religion. My love is so much bigger than any label. I just want you to know that God himself decided to shed love in our heart because that's the only appropriate place for an everlasting love to ever be housed because no building, no structure, no box could ever keep him. God is outside of the box. Amen, somebody. Therefore, he says, so his love is everlasting in this scripture. Verse 3 it says, therefore, or because his love has no bounds or has no containment, then he will show his loving kindness to us, which has drawn us to him, which has drawn us near. And so he says, with loving kindness I've drawn thee. That Hebrew word there is kashed. Nice word, isn't it? Kashed. So he says, with kashed I have drawn thee. What that means is with goodness. With kindness, with faithfulness, I have drawn thee. Have you ever been like where you just didn't seem like your prayers got above the ceiling when you prayed them? But all of a sudden, there's something that moves over your spirit. Maybe the Holy Ghost moves by you and you sense God. And you just feel like his loving kindness stepped in the room. And all of a sudden, there's this drawing that comes out of your heart. And you want to be closer to him because you recognize he's been good to you. And you recognize he's been faithful to you. And you recognize he showed you kindness when others were rude and unkind and unhuman about things, but he wasn't. That's God's loving kindness. And the only reason why his loving kindness shows up for you is because of his everlasting love. He's loved us with an everlasting love. Therefore, Or because of that, I'm going to show my children goodness. I'm going to show my children kindness. I'm going to show my children faithfulness. Mm. Have you ever been drawn by the development of love? I preached this morning that you could not have loved God unless you have first. We could not have loved God unless he had first loved us. You would not have the capacity to know how to love him. Because it's eternal love. It's that eternal love. That made God draw. us in. So. When I'm saying. I'm falling in love with Jesus. It may seem a little bit sappy. But I'm really not. I, I'm saying that I. I am surrendering my life. To the control of God Almighty. Do you understand what I mean by that? You're tracking with me this morning. Ever. Reaching, ever-drawing, ever-present, everlasting love. That's what I'm talking about. If you release your life in control, get ready, baby. (laughs) Because Jesus will romance your soul half to death. He will love you. He will show up and show out because he wants the eyes of his lover. He wants the attention of the one in whom he has instilled love. Amen? He doesn't want you. That's why the Bible says that God can be jealous even though jealousy seems like a human trait. It's not in God's sense because after all he's done for us, why would you ever seek another source for satisfaction? Why would you go anywhere else so God literally can say I'm jealous of each one of us because he's done so much for us. And because he's done so much for us, why would I look to anyone else? Why would my attention turn to any other source of satisfaction whenever God himself died and gave his own blood and shed every last bit of himself into loving me so now i have surrendered and i've put myself in a position to be romanced by the redeemer redeemer that's a great word he redeemed us when we fell when we when we had sin intrude into this world he was already planning to redeem us. plan was in place before the need arose, amen? That's how awesome He loves us, is He has taken care of things before we have need of them. And why is that important? Because the enemy of our soul, even doing everything he can to convince this world that God does not love us, is still unable to do so. And but while this enemy, Satan, is instructing the world that God has abandoned you, he's left you, he's not there, and sometimes the enemy just can keep kicking. Have you ever had that happen? Where you feel like you're down and you just, every thought in your mind is negative. Everything coming at you. That's just the enemy kicking you. He just kicking you while you're down. Cause that's all he knows how to do because he can't get up himself. Hello, somebody. Nobody's going to redeem him. Nobody's going to come and save him, but he's so upset because we are able to be redeemed. We are able to get back up. We have a God who came and got us. And so while he's kicking us and while he's telling us every single thing that we cannot do and how you'll never, Make it and you'll never be good enough, and I'll just kick you again while you're down because that is how I feel. Guess what? God came in a sneak attack, and while He's kicking us, Jesus snuck up on His back with a cross and decided that He was going to save us from the things that brought us down. Amen. Jesus got up so that we would always know that we can get up. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2 and 8, which none of the princes of this world knew, for they had, if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If they had knew what was happening, they would have never put Jesus on the cross because by him dying and being put in the grave, the devil made a grave mistake. I know it's corny, but that's your pastor. He made a grave mistake. And I'm telling you what, Calvary snuck up on Satan. And so if I... Have an understanding of how the enemies and the princes of this world would not have crucified Jesus had they known then how much more does God have for your life that the enemy cannot see coming hello somebody this Bible is full of all kind of blindsides. the enemy does not understand when he reads the Bible I think the devil knows the Bible he quoted the Bible to Jesus he quoted passages so I think he knows the Bible but he sure doesn't understand them because while he's kicking guess what God's designing my redemption. While he's kicking, God's designing my setup to get back up. Hello, somebody. While he's kicking me down, he doesn't realize that there's something coming after him. For the Bible says in the next verse, which we don't always read, we always read the first verse and say, yeah, yeah, he took a black guy. he took the devil, got beat up at Calvary. And we're all excited about that, but look at 1 Corinthians 2, 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered in the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. He said, no eye has seen it, no ear has heard it, and even no man knows. No no heart of man knows what God has prepared for the things <laughs> that love him. So he loved us with an everlasting love, which draws us, which allows us to fall in love with him, which allows us to be have access to all the prepared things that no man can see, no ear has heard, and no no heart of man has ever entered into. So do you see the access that happens here? When we fall in love with Jesus, we have a door swung open that closes every door of our past, that closes every sense that we are not able and not good enough. Do you hear what I'm saying? No matter who tells you what you are and who you are, what level you're at, I'm telling you Jesus Christ makes all things new because of his love in our heart, the things God has prepared. Oh, the things that God has prepared. Oh, the things that God has prepared. Translation there is those who spend their life falling in love with Jesus get to see some really cool stuff. (laughs) Wouldn't you like that? So here's the picture. Okay, and I'm going to try to do this with a microphone. It's going to be hard. Uh, Maybe I can use somebody. Can I use you, Seth? That'd be okay. So when I first got married to that lovely lady in the back of the room, which, guess what? We're not perfect, and we still have little spats every once in a while. We call them uh, passionate conversation. <laughs> <laughs> now, when I got married, this was my capacity for love. Some of you don't know my story, and your visitors, I know. I was abused and beaten and my stepdad went to jail and all this stuff and all this mess. And I I stayed in a bedroom by myself for probably five years of my life. So I'm really good at being secluded. I am awesome at doing me. I am horrible about doing a team because I know how to do me really good. I know how to keep myself safe. But I don't know how to lead a team sometimes. And I have to teach myself constantly how to do that because I can feel satisfied with this much love. Okay, so pretend the cup is full. this this cup here. That's me. When my love cup fills up, I'm happy. How many know what it's like to be full of love and that satisfaction that goes with it? Now, when I married my wife, she had this kind of love capacity. (laughs) Would you... So when we got married, the first thing she does is she starts thinking of all the plans and all the great things we're going to do. And she starts pouring love into me. She's like, oh, we're going to be great. We're going to have two kids. It's going to be wonderful. We're going to get a house. And God's going to do some great things. And I'm just so excited. Oh. And I I checked out an hour earlier. You know, I'm like done. I'm so loved. I feel great. I'm so satisfied. I'm satiated by her love. And I am feeling... Thank you, Seth. Give Seth a big hand. It's just water. It'll dry. I'm good. I'm happily married, man. I'm so great. And she's going, really? This is all our relationship's going to be? This is as much as you have? She needs this much kind of love. So I start loving her, and I go... Love you, honey. You're awesome. Doesn't even make a dent in her love idea of what love is. So while I'm completely satisfied, she has so much more to give. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I'm using this as an example, not just to talk about me. This is us. This is God. And so while we begin to seek God, and we start to love God, and we start to give our lives to God and start surrendering spaces in our life of control and trusting Him, He begins to pour into us His love. But when we say, I'm good, He's a gentleman, but God has no end to His resource. He is not limited in any way. His love has no bounds. So when you say I just don't feel it right now. I don't feel love. I don't feel like God's moving. I don't feel and when you say that, what you need to understand is you need to make more room in your vessel. Because he hasn't stopped loving you abundantly. You have somewhere found satisfaction with the capacity that you're at So you literally have to ask God, would you make room in my heart for more of you? Because right now, I feel satisfied at the level I'm at. And Jesus never wants you to live at the level he finds you at. He always wants you to grow and to expand and to become more um, in love with him. So what I'm doing is giving you a simple example of what it is to come to God and say, God, I want more of you. And he says, but are you satisfied with how much you have of me? Are you willing to trust the process of me expanding you? Because the process of growing is painful. My son is growing like a weed. And when my do- my wife was that age, she would wake up with pains in her legs because the long bones were literally growing so fast. And that's what we don't understand about God. We, we pray, God, would you grow me? Would you help me to love you more? And then when trials come and difficulty comes, we think, what is that? Why am I having trouble when I asked you to love me more? But what he's doing is he's taking you from this size of vessel and he's growing you in a process through trials and troubles to make you have a capacity for this kind of level. And the reason why it looks like it's not God loving us because nobody's comfortable with difficulty. Nobody likes pain and hurt and struggle. But in order for you to grow, you have to go through that because whenever you have great loss and you have great need... God doesn't answer needs. He answers faith. So he gives you a great need for you to apply your faith to it, to ask him to help you. And in doing so, you increase your capacity of faith toward God. So the need becomes greater. You, instead of saying, God, I really wish you wouldn't have done that. Maybe you do feel that way. I don't know. But whenever you start to pray and say, God, I believe you're going to take care of that need, you have expanded your capacity for him to pour into you greater things than you had ever experienced before. And some of you have had great loss. Some of you have had great difficulty in your life, but he's just making you more. He's just making you greater. He's just expanding your capacity to know what it is, to fall in love with him for the things he pours into you. It's so beautiful because... If you don't understand this, you think God has forgotten you. You think He's left you high and dry. And God hasn't. Because now He got up. So say all you want to, devil. Say all you want to, trial. Say all you want to, life. I'm going to put a demand on God. Hello, somebody. In fact, What we demand of God when we understand this concept that I'm preaching of falling in love with God through it all, it's already prepared for us. Because he said, and I'm not trying to go backwards, but he said that the things, we haven't seen or heard the things which God had prepared, E.D., past tense, for those, for them that love him. So, what are you asking God for that you think he still needs to do? Because it's already done. He knows the end from the beginning, and his love is, has no capacity. So when you begin to pray to God, you are actually praying for something that has already been prepared by God because he knew what you'd have need of long before you ever asked it. And he's not a God who's slack concerning his promises but loves us with an everlasting love. What does that do for us, Brother Calhoun? That's great. You know what that does? Gives us a resilience. Gives us an ability to get beat up by life and get back up again. It's something that nothing else can do. You can't get that in a bottle. You can't get that in a joint. You can't get that with friends or in a social group. You can't get that climbing the social ladder and getting to a new tier of financial economics. You can't get this kind of resilience because no matter where you go or what you do, there's somebody who has everything that's laying in their bed this morning that doesn't want to get up because they're depressed out of their mind because they don't understand that Jesus' love is the purest kind of love. And when we have His love, we're able to love Him back and we have a door open to access of everything that He has for us. And with that, access comes things that are already prepared for us that if we don't use them, then God wants us to know that before I had need of it, he had provided because he loves me that much. But God does not support waste. And if you don't use it, he won't give it. If you go back in the Old Testament where it looks about where it look, talks about the children of Israel leaving Egypt, do you know the story of the children of Egypt where Moses went into Pharaoh and asked him, let my people go, and Pharaoh said, Who, Who's authority are you here under and he said i am that i am has sent me we want to go out we want to worship and so then they go through all the plagues they're released they all are crossing the red sea here comes pharaoh and all of his armies it's a very scary moment moses extends the scepter the waters close over pharaoh so god takes pharaoh out of the life of the egyptians pharaoh was their provider so god had to replace their provider they worked for food they were slaves And 400 years of slavery will seriously mess up your economic intelligence. Hello, somebody. All they knew was work for food. They didn't know how to do anything other than that. So whenever they get across the Red Sea and now Pharaoh's gone, God has to provide manna for them in the wilderness. Because if he can't provide it, he has to become it. Because his character is a provider. Am I talking to somebody today? So what he does is he has manna bread fall from heaven land on the ground and they take it and they eat it and they weren't supposed to take more than they had need of but the bible actually says something interesting that every man gathered according to that which he had according to that which he ate. And so even back in the old testament God is setting up the character of his nature in that he will not give you more than you have an appetite for. And so all throughout scripture, we see that if you will, I will, if you will, I will. It doesn't seem like God would say that, but what he's really saying is I will not waste my happiness from my spirit on you who decide that all you want to be is hostile. You want hostility in your life go ahead, be hostile as much as you want. But I'm not going to give you happiness if that's all you're looking for is hostility. I'm not going to give you goodness if all you're looking for is the bitterness of life. If you feed on certain things, that is what you will find to feed on. If that is your focus, that's all you will see. If you're a skeptic, all you will see is everything that's skeptical. If you have hatred in your heart, all you'll see is every piece of piece of hatred developed in front of you. Oh, they hate them. Look at that. That's They hate that. But God's Asking you, do you want my love? And if you do, how big of an appetite do you have for my love? Are you willing to lay on your face and pray and ask God, would you please do something in my life and and strengthen and enlarge my capacity? So hope comes alive in this light of love, in this kind of love. Faith is built up by hope. Do you know that? Faith is like the vehicle Hope is like the gas in the vehicle. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. God's everlasting love develops hope in you so that you have something to fuel your faith. That's how God works. He gives you the raw materials of the thing that you need most. And he says, mix it together and use it. Because I know, I know this, that God has designed me to want more of him and never be satisfied. So I take a cue from my soul who cannot be satisfied with anything, cars, money, houses, lands. I, I remember a story of a lady who got up at a funeral. And because I'm a funeral director, I go to a lot of funerals. I've been to more masses than anybody in this place. I've had crackers and wine more than I'd like to say. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I don't take you there. But what I do is I, is I watch people and they're so sincere they will go down quietly. They'll take the host and the wine and they will literally look at the floor and not engage anybody else as they walk back to their seat in in a seriousness because their soul longs for him too. We have a cue inside of us. We're not satisfied without anything other than the supernatural. So I get emotional when I see people who are sincere but don't have all of his love don't know every bit of what he did for them. And I just want to walk up and say, go here, here, Matthew 6. Go to ten, <laughs> Acts 10 and 8 and 2. Read all of that. And then you'll just be blown away by what God did for you. But while they're being sincere, there's something that's growing in them. And so this woman comes up at this funeral and she has all of these magazines of Her husband's and her husband got cancer and um, she slowly watched him fade away. And when he got diagnosed, he had only six months to live. And he used to have this lazy boy in the living room and he would stack all of his magazines. He would get Motor Trend. He would get like Golf Magazine, Love to Golf. He would get um, Car and Driver because he had several nice cars in the garage. He had been a, a working man. He had a career. And he had a nice Corvette in the garage, and he had another really nice car, which I cannot remember at this point in the story. (laughs) But all of the magazines were stacked up, and she said, as she walked to the podium, she held up car and driver, and she said, my husband used to love cars, but the cars are in the garage, and he's gone. And she put that one down. She picked up the golf magazine. My husband used to love to play golf, but his golf clubs are downstairs downstairs. And he's gone. And she went through each magazine. She pulled up Money Magazine. She said, my husband was a great investor. I will never have lack. I will never know what it's like to worry about paying my bills. Because he left me set for the rest of my life. But the money's in the bank account. And my husband is gone. And when she got to a little book, just about this big, she held it up. She goes, this was my husband's prayer journal. She said, and for the last six months, all the magazines came in, stacked up next to the chair. He never opened them. But I always saw him with his Bible and his prayer book. And he'd come to me and show me where he had wrote a week ago, God heal this, God help that. And then he'd come to me and show me, look what I prayed. And it changed for Becky. She got her answer. She goes, I hate that it took my husband getting cancer for the things that mattered most to matter most. So I come to you today with maybe some emotion, but I'm asking you, what are you doing with the dash between the two dates of your life? When you were born... And we, when we will pat you on the chest with a shovel and say, we'll see you again someday. What are you doing with that little dash? Are you letting your life be full of love? Are you just living your days? Are you trying your best to find more of him? Are you trying to get up from the things that hold you down? Is this all right today? 1 Corinthians 13 13 verse 4 through 8 says love bears all, believes all, hopes all, endures all. Do you hear? All, 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 all. It helps you bear things. It helps you believe things. It helps you hope in things. It helps you endure things. Love never ends. As for the prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Even the greatest will cease, but love will remain forever. I've got a revelation of the romance of God. He loves us with an everlasting love. Would you stand with me today? I've been reading through Romans, and it's really impacted me. In Romans 8, 37 and 39, there is something awesome that happens in this verse. And it says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Everything saying conquerors. It'd be great to just conquer something. But he said, you're more than a conqueror. Through him who loved us. Through him who what? Wow, there's a revelation of love. We're more than conquerors through him. Because he loved us with an everlasting love for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor heights or nor deaths nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord see the devil and life Rob didn't know I was loved so much didn't know I was loved this much nothing can stop my Savior's kind of love how many are glad about that so Romans 5 and 8, I found this while I was paging through Romans, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that a great verse? While we couldn't even do the right thing, he died for us. So this joy, this hope that I'm talking about today, this faith, this, this sane mind that I have, this, this heart that still even tries to love and the grace that, that God has given for every time we goof up, all of that, that endurance, that excitement in my soul that that comes from his undying, unstoppable, unquenchable love. That's what we need to know today, Ben. That's what we have to do. Somebody shout yes. yes. <laughs> the Bible says he's coming back for his bride. And he will make, take get this, and he will be... We will be taken to the marriage supper of the Lamb in Matthew 25 and 1. The church is compared to 10 virgins in that in Matthew 25 and 1. So someone who has not been married, who, who made themselves ready for the groom, to, and he came, but he, he stalled. He didn't come right away. But every passage of Scripture where, where it talks about Christ and us, talks about us being the bride and him being the groom, it says that we're still going to the wedding. So Christ is still courting us He's still trying to woo us all the time. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that a revelation of love? Hello, somebody. He's trying to win our affections all the time. He comes and he tries to help us. That's why Jesus shows up all the time so I just want you to know that when I, I'm, I'm trying to finish but my friend Sean Wingate he was a really strong guy in high school and he had this really beautiful cheerleader girlfriend and some guy started messing with his girlfriend right and started pushing her around and saying hey you know why don't you dump him and go with me lose the zero get with the hero that kind of stuff and and she got away from him she's like just wait till my boyfriend gets here she's like just, just wait till my boyfriend gets here the next day Sean Wingate made a rug out of that guy <laughs> because he messed with his girlfriend guess what just wait till my Jesus gets here just wait till my boyfriend comes because guess what he's gonna make a rug out of all my enemies he's going to wipe them out because Jesus is a lover of my soul and I'm grateful for that And you should be too it should excite you it should make you happy it feels good to spend a lifelong love affair with Jesus Christ would you bow your heads with me Lord, we know you flow according to our appetite. And some of us haven't been putting enough demand on you. Some of us haven't been asking you for more than what we can see ourselves. Would you meet us in this place today? Would you quicken us in our hearts? to remember that only you can satisfy and that because we cannot be satisfied by anything else, we should seek you. Let us get beside ourselves to seek your love. And let us, Lord Jesus, have a greater capacity to love today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Here he is. God Almighty, this is his love, his everlasting love. What do you have need of today? He will not waste. So if you have no appetite today, you're dismissed to go. I will not judge you. No one here will judge you. And I'm wondering is there anybody hungry for more of Jesus? Is there anyone that's willing to get desperate? and step out of where you are and come down front and just stretch your hands up and say, God, make me a greater vessel of love for you. What are you hungry for today? Are you content just living from paycheck to paycheck? Are you content with living where you are right now? If you're content, God will let you stay there, but he doesn't want to waste, but he's asking, do you want more? Everything depends upon your appetite for Him. I love you, Jesus, but I need you to help me to love you more. Even the disciples said, help my unbelief. Help me to have more faith, God. Help me to have more faith.